Um, we are, we are just like if if you want a timestamp of when this is, and I will love to listen back to when knowing when this is during the U.S. election. Yeah, <laughs> which I think like if anyone knows either of us, it's how would you describe it? Your feelings, right? Um. <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting in a burning house waiting for just like to decide if someone's going to turn up with a like thing of gasoline or hose. Like we're just kind of like sitting in that little fun situation <laughs> waiting to see what's going to happen. And just those particular two. Like Yeah. Oh my god. It's <laughs> I it, look, I I am the funny thing is, I don't. I'm in two ways. I don't love Biden. Oh, neither do I. <laughs> no one does. No, I know, but he's the lesser. He's the lesser of two evils. Exactly. If a cactus, if it was between <laughs> Trump and a cactus, I would vote for a cactus because I feel like a cactus would do a better job. Well, I should be really careful what I say because I want to live in America I mean, eventually. I feel like this is probably like the funnest time to record this because both you and I are delirious. Yeah. Oh, no credit. I've had more delirious days. This is this is nothing. Give me another like three months Should of I not give you sleeping. Some vodka and then- <laughs> <laughs> no, don't because if I like I have like a level of like drunk. I have you know how some people are like happy drunks, some people are sad drunks, so whatever. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm whatever mood I am when I start drinking. <laughs> so if I'm happy, I'll be happy for the rest of the night. It's fine. If I'm like aggressive, then God help everyone. Oh no. <laughs> all right, we've we've heard it here. That's all the podcast is. <laughs> it's just reporting Maddie's drunk levels. <laughs> um, and just so everybody knows, on behalf of Lachlan, I would like to say that this will be the final episode of the Things We Do podcast. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Fuck you both. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to merge those two together when he does his. Please do. Like, fuck. <laughs> the things I have to deal with. This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast mostly about fun things, life, film, television, mental health, and all of that stuff. Welcome today, and my special guest is my friend, an annoying friend, Wow, thanks for that intro. I feel so welcome. Hello. I mean, look, you, you did you want me to say something nice about you? Because mostly no, our conversations are like insults. Yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to my house. It is currently quite late at night, so we are both a little bit delirious. Yeah, the, you know, when are we not? It's fine. Yeah, I mean, basically, even if it's a weekend, we're, we're fucking off the rocker. Uh-huh. I actually am going to pull up my questions. Do it, though, do cause, it. Because I am, <laughs> like, actually do have a list of questions. But um, first of all, I am going to get you to do a little bit of backstory to yourself. Do a little bit of fun who you are, so, and where you're from, because clearly you're not American. I'm not American. Um, I don't sound like it, but I am not American. <laughs> you are definitely not American. No. Uh, I've grown up here. I've lived on the northern beaches of sydney my entire life um and then got a job working for disney and moved overseas and worked for them for like five years and then covid happened and i'm back here it's probably a pretty good time to be back here to be honest i don't know if i'd want to be stuck over there um you- <laughs> sorry honey <laughs> for other people my boyfriend's still stuck over there so he's just chilling he's having a great He'll time be fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know how to backstory myself. That's about no, that's is, that a, is that a good backstory? <laughs> is it, uh, look, I'll ask many questions of that. Please so do. Because you, you were you were born here. What yes. could you 
this is this is the thing as well, you know, because you're a like actor. Yes. And I totally you, didn't add that, did I? <laughs> yeah, you know. So <laughs> skipped over that whole part. So so for some of you, the re- her her job at Disney was to do acting, so it wasn't just magically appear there. I just uh, yeah, I just turned up there, swept the streets. Are we allowed to say that that your job was acting? Like it's not a specific. Yeah, no, I was it's, on the stages and stuff for them, so I yeah. did dancing and things like that. Um. I mean, I did tell them on my first day that I would happily um, sweep the floors if they decided that my (laughs) job was going to be cut or anything like that. I was like, don't worry, I will happily work for Disney and sweep the floors. Thankfully, they haven't taken advantage of that yet. But like, you know, honestly, at this point, I would take it still. (laughs) (laughs) Give them time. I have swept the floors for them just like in between things. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Really? Actually? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, usually like when someone spills something in front of Mickey Mouse, I mean, you're not going to let Mickey Mouse slip oh, and right. fall you, know, like, yeah, you gotta you gotta, you gotta get, clean that up <laughs> you gotta get the other person to do that <laughs> the one with less duties mickey mouse is like running the show yeah. um yeah you're not gonna try and make pluto pick up a broom because puppy's you, not a thing yeah but how many years did you do that almost five that's insane i was gonna be my fifth year this year um when i was meant to be in europe doing all that stuff <laughs> and I did, I, like, do you feel like COVID has been a benefit or a subtraction from like? Uh, I mean, look, I've I've had some I've had some good points of COVID nineteen. I mean, hey, I met you. I've like we've become friends because of that, which is very cool. Uh, but no, I would I would definitely like to go back to my life. <laughs> she just wants to get away from me and the I rest mean, of the yeah, really. Like, <laughs> like, let's be real. <laughs> no, I just yeah. It's not exactly where I intended to be this year. No. I would I would ideally like to be back with most of my friends and family over there because, give you know, you know it'd the, be fair, nice. the, the fair things, you know. You know. But give it 2021. 2021, exactly. I'm like, look, let's hit New Year's. We'll restart. Yes. Restart everything. Hit reset. We're good. The calendar just goes back a year. It says, oh, you know what? We're doing uh, 2020 over again, but we just added a one. Oh, I just think we should just delete it from the history books yeah, yeah, and yeah. everyone just what, pretends just it didn't exist. Note? Yeah. Mm. Just like rip out the whole section. Everyone take it out of their calendars. 2020 never happened. It just magically, for some reason, we missed something in the calendar. Yeah, it, it just a, went from 2019 to 2021. Nothing happened. It's like a big um, amnesia kind of situation. Yeah, and all of us just turned the same age that we turned this year and just like redo that, but just pretend 2020 didn't happen. Man, there would be so much. God. Be so good. I wouldn't miss a lot. I think I miss hanging out with you, but apart yeah. from, like apart, apart from, from that, I'm like, you know what? I I, <laughs> I could skip 2020. <laughs> Which is like, I think. What do I do? I love anything about 2020. Yeah. No, uh, I don't think there's much. No, there's really like. Well, because, like, if it was, like, a normal year, you could be like, oh, yeah, I had to come home because of my job, but, like, I got to do, like, a bunch of other stuff. And at the moment, it's kind of like, well. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also like um, 2020 is one of those years that has been either beneficial for the arts industry or non-beneficial because we're in this weird like split of um, if anyone doesn't know the Australian government does not give two shits uh, about the uh, arts industry. (laughs) Uh, The Liberal government is run so poorly and they're cutting fundings for the arts um, for years. But this has been basically the sector which provides us with a bunch of entertainment and lovely shows and most actors and actual most people are working for free now because there's no actual 
jobs or they were doing other jobs they never wanted to do and never thought they'd be unemployed. The list goes on. Um, and I think that there is an interesting way we can look at this, which is either we did this to ourselves in a situation long before COVID-19 even came about, which in the Liberal government's eyes and in my eyes, the Liberal government tried to get rid of the arts pretty thoroughly for many years um, because they have no interest in us whatsoever. Um, and I'm going to, uh, by the way, I have no like connections with the government, so I'm going to shit talk them so fucking much. Um, so no holding back on how much I hate like the government. But I mean, like at the moment, you know, we've got people running the world and people, you know, I want Jacinda Ardern to run this country because at I least... I want her to run the world. I know. And like, it, let's be real. Like, this woman knows so much about, and my mum said a great quote, which was my dad watching television and going, isn't Jacinda an odd, and a great woman and, and like her doing, you know, kid birthday parties in between like her meetings. And my mum just turned around to him and goes, it's because she's a woman. And my dad just went, oh no, but she's really good at this, like that and the other. And my mum just goes, no, she's a woman. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of great statistics about how most of the countries that have been most successful during COVID-19 are the ones run by women. Um, unsurprising to all women. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, not going to lie. It's not really a surprise to no. any of us. We're all no. like, yeah, we could have predicted that. There's a, there's something to be said. And I don't, I don't think it's a sexist thing or, you know, or anything. I think there is something to be said that multitasking as a scientific fact um, is, you know, drilled into girls at a young age. Oh, yeah. We have to be able to. Yeah. You literally have to be able to multitask. Yeah, it's insane. Whereas you're born a guy, you're just like, oh, good luck. Like, go off to the wild. Be free. There's not your like. Your brain only works with one thing at one time. So, oh, you know, sorry, sorry. multitasking <laughs> isn't a thing. No, I, I, do feel it, I do feel it interesting, though, because as I think growing up with so many female friends, I didn't grow up with any sisters or anything. So, having known a lot of female friends now uh, from a young age to now, it is, I do meet so many guys who have never had that experience that they don't, like, they are in fear of girls or they just don't know how to talk to girls. Would you Would you say that was something in your experience? Um, Kind of yes and kind of no. High school, no. I was the only girl in most of my classes. Um, most, of, I mean, a couple of my classes. So I did, like, um, extension, like, music and everything like that. And I did electronics and I was the only girl. And so the boys learned pretty quickly that they <laughs> just dealt with me and they accepted me and they didn't really have much choice in that matter. But it was actually one of the reasons that I didn't end up doing electronics or engineering at university because I went to one of their open days and walked into one of the lecture things. <laughs> and literally there was a sea of awkward boys that turned around and just kind of stared at me and no one smiled. No one said a word. No one did anything. They just kind of like, what is she doing here? Did she just, get lost? Yeah. Did she just like wander into the wrong room? Yeah. Um. I didn't. I didn't really know if I could handle that for no, a that's long a period of time. I feel like I would have. I'm too aggressive for that. I would have been like, what the hell is your problem, dude? I, th I think you would have like, you would have been the one pulling out the knife by the end of it, just been like, what's your problem? Come on. Get over it. Yes. <laughs> I'm a girl. I like electronics. Leave me alone. Congratulations. You figured it out. I am a woman. <laughs> that is the case. That is the case. Whenever you sort of meet anyone 
of a girl, like any of a girl. Anyone of a girl. <laughs> wow. <laughs> clearly, it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's clear when you meet any girl in any scientific field or any ele- electrical Oh, they're field. phenomenal. Yeah, they're amazing. But it's just I'm like. I'm obsessed with them. But there is this weird like culture thing where they just like, they either have to be gay or or like. Or they just are like so tough because they've had to prove themselves yeah, for years. Like automatically you have to prove yourself. I know. Um, Which is really frustrating. But yeah. yeah, it's the truth. I mean, I yeah, they're badass. Any girl that's managed to last in the STEM field and like. Would you go kicked back butt. to it? Um, I don't know if I could now. I think I've been in the arts so long that I'm like, this is like, this is what I love. This is what I love to do. I'm interested in it. I still like, I came home and I did some work for my dad, who's an engineer, when he needed extra stuff done. And I didn't have a job at the start. He was like, well, look, I need all this stuff, like all these panels soldered and stuff like that. Can you do that for me? And I'll give you some bit of money for that. I was like, yeah, sure. So I was helping him out and like, I can still do all the stuff, but I don't know if I'd go back to it as like a career. Right, so it's more... I also feel like sitting in a room, like, staring at things for a long period of time quietly by myself is not really my forte. I'm not really good at being quiet or still for long periods of time, so... No, that's true. You are... (laughs) Basically, is that when you went to the arts, or did you do arts? I... So I was a dancer my entire life. I was a dancer from the time I was two. I pointed through the window of the ballet school and forced my parents to take me... (laughs) (laughs) story of my life um but yeah so I was a dancer my entire life until I was about 16 and then I got injured and injured my kneecaps and had to drop out so then I was like okay well I need to find some other outlet so then I started singing and doing singing lessons and starting doing that so then I started doing theater and I was doing musical theater all through university and up till the time that I started working for Disney do you think with the arts, like theater is something you want to stay in or do you want to have like both film and like, uh, you know, film under your belt and theater under your belt and kind of like all that? Yeah, I think I'd ideally like to be able to do a bit of both. Um, I love live theater. I think it's an incredible art form. But I also have really enjoyed, I've only just started with you actually getting into filming and stuff like that and doing um more on that side of it which I'm finding super super interesting and I never it was always like it's you know always one of those things where like oh yeah I'd love to be on tv I'd love to do something like that but it never actually was like a concept in my head of something that I actually was doing because I was doing so much live theater and live acting so it's been really cool getting to see that side and I would definitely love to be able to do more in film and television and all that kind of stuff because it's super interesting to me yeah do you do you feel like with with the stuff we do and we do we do lame well i'm not gonna say it's lame i it's actually not lame i think it's really cool i love it so we we make a doctor who fan stuff which is kind of a mix of original written stuff and um a pre-written stuff actually written by showrunners and so it's a bit of both but i think one of the things that i really find fun about it is when we do stuff that is either an adaptation or anything like that we are much more creative liberty to adapt it whatever way we fit fit without the fans going oh my god what are you trying to do with the show um but i think also like the last one we did was in july um i can't believe that was in july i know 
I think oh about gosh. like, but I think that, that, that we did, uh, we wrote a giant script, which I think everyone loved. And then we've kind of like rewriting it as we kind of speak, not literally as we speak, because that would be impressive to do a podcast at the same time. Um, That's multitasking. Look, clearly, clearly I can do it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like the, you know, Darwin would be impressed. He'd be like, man, there's one man out there who can multitask and it's that guy. <laughs> Not just the women. <laughs> but no, I've, like, what have you enjoyed about those experiences doing the Doctor Who things as well as like, I think, um, filmmaking in general? What do you enjoy about the processes? Um, I mean, I love the fact that we can go back and do multiple takes. Life theater, you never get that chance. If you, like, fuck up, then you're done. <laughs> like, I've had scenes in live theater shows where my scene partner and I thankfully covered it up well, but, like, skipped entire chunks of scene <laughs> dialogue and didn't even notice. And our scene was, like, a third of the size um, that it normally is, which is, you know, a little bit awkward when you get off stage and you're like, oh, whoops, we did that. But, you know, it works. You get through it. But I love the fact that you can keep going and you can have multiple takes and you could have multiple angles and then piece it all together to create something incredible yeah i love it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle which i love and i love that it takes so many different people i mean it's obviously live theater please don't anybody get offended that i just said it takes a lot of people for film because it obviously takes a lot of people for live theater don't worry one of my besties is the stage manager i realize <laughs> but no, I loved seeing everyone on sets and everything, giving their opinions and seeing everything come together because it's easy to see that on a film set because it's right there. You know, you've got your um, cameraman like right next to you and it's a really up close thing, whereas lighting and sound and everything in theaters is often quite far away and kind of hidden in the back. And, you know, you see them, but you don't really like see what they do. So I really loved getting to see that on set and watch how it all kind of pieces together to make something really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a very different process to doing like the two worlds. Yeah. Kind of work. They kind of work together, but But they're very different. They're very like I think with um you know, when you get to a set and then you kind of it's it's like the same with theater. You're all collaborative and you're all doing like essentially meeting a goal. But as you say with doing a scene you kind of if you miss lines you can fill that gap in and sometimes in filmmaking as well you get one shot and this is what i love is you'll sometimes shoot the beginning of the scene and the end of the scene in one shot but you won't film the middle because there's no point filming it because you won't use that angle so you just film the beginning and then the end and then you fill all the middle stuff with individual shots so you can kind of fill up the gaps but it's that whole process where you're kind of doing it in a complete reverse order. You're not doing it in a chronological order. There's you kind of, I, how does that work for you as an actor as well to do more like film related stuff where you have to think about yourself of kind of out of chronological order yeah. where, you're, uh, where you are. Cause theater is linear. It is. I mean, you do get the occasional show where it bounces around, but it's not very common. So it definitely is a different thought process. I mean, I really like it. I think, Working for Disney, you really get it in your head just watching the way that they approach their 
stories, their characters, um, all that kind of thing. The way they do it is they very much approach it focused on the characters in the stories. So rather than, you know, oh, we're reading a story. We're reading the story of Cinderella, blah, 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 blah. You know, it is Cinderella's story. You kind of get this character-focused idea where, and I think that really helps when it comes to that kind of side of film where it's bouncing around because as long as you have that character as your like main thing, you're able to bounce around a little bit more. I think if you're focused on the exact words of the script and the exact linear order, it makes it really, really hard, mm. which was an adjustment, but I think I definitely was able to do that a bit better because I've got this idea that like, okay, as long as you know, you know exactly your character's intent, you know your exact focus, what would happen and focus on in on that part of it, then the rest of it will happen around it and it'll be easier to adjust to whatever is going on around you. With big projects and little projects, do you feel like coming back to the little projects or the less serious projects is quite good for you in like terms of like, do you like coming back to a sort of a friend-based project? Do you think that's healthy as an actor or like an artist? I definitely think so. I think it gives you a chance to express things in a different way um, and to work with people who... I think the thing with big projects is that often individuals can get swallowed up by them and you can become either so focused on that thing that you lose parts of yourself or you just kind of smush parts of yourself so that you can fit in and make everything work with the big projects. And I think that having a little small one gives you a chance to like recenter, reframe your brain and work with people who are similar to you and similar brainwaves and kind of bounce off each other, which I think is sometimes rare in big productions and big projects because everyone is working towards this one goal and you're very all very focused on your one tiny role in that. Smaller projects, everyone can kind of help everyone else out and it becomes more collaborative, which I think is very beneficial as artists, as creators to be able to have that collaboration because it gives you inspiration for new stuff to potentially go on that might still be small stuff or it might end up being a bigger project in the future. Mm. And do you feel like as an artist that the small projects are worth um, as equal amount of time as a big project or do you feel like they're a little bit more? I mean, I think it depends on what pays the bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Depends that was... on how many bills I have to pay. I would love to be able to give small projects equal time to bigger projects. It just depends on life, unfortunately. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I think it's an amazing privilege we have to be able to have spare time and, you know, sometimes spare funds to be able to make things that we want to make. And create stuff that we're passionate about that's really passion projects and aren't necessarily just doing things for money I mean I I always enjoy the work I do because I am very lucky to be able to mostly select projects that I'm really excited about I'm really passionate about and stuff like that but I think it is definitely a privilege to be able to do that and it's definitely a privilege to be able to go and work on exciting things 
that are small with your friends that don't necessarily make you any money, but they're just for you as an artist and for you as a creator. Yeah. To make something. I feel like that's always that's always true as well with, you know, um small stuff. It is about paying the bills. It is about like, you know, yeah. you have to have the time to do stuff. I mean, there's cert- absolutely certain friends I would hands down, no matter what it is, do stuff with them because, you know, and you're one of oh, them. Oh, for sure. Because it, you get, you once you sort of, I feel like, build up this rapport with people, it doesn't matter whether it's pay or unpaid. You just enjoy working with yeah. that person so much. You're like, okay, just let me know dates and I'll work I'll it make out. it work. Like, oh, for sure. I mean, it's definitely still a privilege to be able to do that. But yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. You definitely, like, once you start working with people and you really build up that awesome working relationship, it's definitely, I mean, this is what we did today. We both had full days of work and we're like, you know what? Let's make it work. We'll do a podcast. It's yeah. fine. We, but I mean, you don't, like, I feel with some people, you know, like, and I feel like that's with artists in general. Like, sometimes you really gel with, you know, the right people, the right vibe. Mm. Um, Like, you know... I feel like the older we get and especially like COVID as a thing has really changed the way we see friendships, especially some friendships. Um, like I'm now closer to people who I never thought I'd be as close to um, because of COVID, like through, you know, connections between like, you know, talking about things we like or, you know, mental health or anything like that. You end up becoming quite close. Have you found the same um, probably from your end? Yes and no. Um, I think it's been been a little bit more of a struggle for me. I don't have as many connections. So a lot of my connections in Sydney, I'm not as close to anymore because I've been away for so long. Um, so I've got like a couple of really close friends from high school and stuff like that that I'm, I've am i always been close to. But I've managed to get some really great creator friends here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> If you don't know what I'm doing, I'm just looking really smart. <laughs> um, yeah, this smug man over here introduced me to a bunch of great artists that I'm really grateful to know. Um, it has been interesting adjusting to friendships in COVID just because so much of my friends I can only talk to through FaceTime because the majority of them are in America or in the, U- uh, in the UK or Canada. So it's been been interesting um but i've definitely found that i've gotten close to a lot of people who i've been able been lucky enough to be able to make art with while i've been home because mm. i think that's a great way of bonding with people yeah you get to know someone so much better so much faster yeah and, and it's funny like um uh you know i feel like this year in particular is either you come out of your shell you know a lot you know as you're saying a lot faster and everything um because i felt like that is probably the case for most people as well um because i felt like there's a real drive to either i want to get to know you or i don't now nowadays well it's also like so much more effort to stay in contact with people like if people (laughs) do you know what i mean like you're not going to see somebody it hasn't been as common for you know to just walk past and see somebody on the street and be like oh hi how you doing all right yep cool okay bye because mm. no one's out on the street. So you actually have to like make an effort to call people and text people. And, you know, if you're not that close to someone, people don't call and text. So it's 
you actually have to put effort into friendships, which is kind of a good thing, to be honest. It's yeah. less of a passing by thing and more of like people are actually making an effort to like check up on each other. And, you know, if you care about someone, you actually tell them because, you know, they're on the other side of the world or they're stuck in their house somewhere because they're in two weeks quarantine. Like I feel like that's what also stemmed my friendship with you because, you know, even though we kind of got along from the initial thing, I didn't quite expect to, you know, probably... I guess, form such a really good friendship with you as well. Not just working um, friendship, but yeah. it was sort of very quick to kind of just go, you know, I get along with this person and not just as an artist, but as a friend. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very like surreal thing in, you know, especially it's, it's a very like nice thing to come in contact because you do meet a lot of artists and, you know, we, you know, as artists meet new people almost like every fucking week. Yeah. Um, but when you meet those people who you genuinely like, yep, they're them I'm gonna know for years, or like, yeah. and I'm gonna annoy the shit out of them <laughs> for years. So okay, they're staying. Um, you do you do get this sense of like, I think a completely different vibe, especially in these COVID nineteen times. Yeah, you you know it's sort of like if if this person can deal with me and be annoyed, you know, by everything or whatever, and they're still wanting to hang out with me, then that's a good sign. Yeah, like, for sure. Um. Do you feel like that's uh, something you really, you know, reveled in the fact that, you know, coming here and doing creative things like you be, you had this, you know, and we're going to you know mention it. Um, <laughs> you've got no choice. Uh, you've done this play at, at the moment, which uh, am I allowed to mention the play you're in? Oh, the cabaret. Yeah. Yes. Am I allowed to mention that? I think so. Well, we're going to mention it. Uh, yes, I'm in it, a cabaret. If it, if it needs to be edited out, let me know. If not, it's staying in. I don't think so. I, I think, think it's so. all right. I think it's like fine. I put um, it on my Instagram, so it's fine. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, you're in the cabaret thing. Yeah. And do you, what, like, that's a paid gig. Yes. So with that show and versus like other stuff you've done in Sydney so far. Like, do you feel like that's a very different vibe as well compared to like, do you feel like you're close to the people you in that cast? I do. We had to mon really fast because we also started rehearsals before we knew if we were going to be allowed to perform. So we started rehearsals, basically kind of collaborative situation like we do for Doctor Who and everything like that, where we were working together, hoping to create something cool, but also not knowing if it would ever see the light of day because we started rehearsing when it was in the middle of COVID lockdown. So we were, you know, doing our best to get ourselves into the city and go through all the health protocols and everything we needed to do, which occasionally involved, you know, wearing masks while we learned how to waltz for three hours, which is intense. By the way, do not try to do the can-can with a mask on. I've tried it. It doesn't work. You will start to pass out. Yeah, so we did. I think that that was a very bonding time for all of us because we were hoping that it would come to something like thankfully we've been out to open and done a couple of shows we're kind of sporadic at the moment but we've done a few but we didn't know and so we were a bunch of art artists that were working together dancing together creating a show not knowing if it would ever get performed for an audience not just for empty room so that must have been very stressful. <laughs> it was a little bit. We did two months of rehearsals, I think, of just like us being like, I hope this ends up doing something. Um, before we were like, okay, we can actually like 
government regulations are enough that we can open to a small house. So, And now you're performing to a small house? We are, yes. Um, I've done two like actual audience performances. We've had a little bit of time in between because we're slowly working it up to like getting actual audiences and proper you know sizes back in and everything like that because it's taking a while for people to get comfortable to go back into theaters Mm. even tiny ones like this one so yeah so it's starting to get up hopefully like every second week and eventually every week to do this cabaret show but yeah for a time it was very touch and go and and we didn't know if it was going to end up happening or if we all end up going to be like okay cool well that was fun now we're all going to go back into full-on lockdown bye yeah because because that basically happened the way australia's lockdown happened was we had sydney strict lockdowns until from march until i think june yeah and then we reduced the lockdown yeah, so that was when we started rehearsals was when lockdowns were just starting to reduce. When we thought the states were fine um, and the borders would open up soon because we closed all state borders, uh, Melbourne <laughs> had the <laughs> hugest high death toll and uh, infection rate that caused everyone to go for months and months and months of panic. Yes. Um, to, which we never thought Melbourne would open again. For a little while there, it was a little bit interesting. Although, to be fair, I was never that concerned. I'm not going to lie. Because, only because I have been receiving text messages from my boyfriend who is in Orlando, Florida. And Florida had a real bad time for a while there. Um, still really bad over there. But their population is the same as Australia's, basically. So I would be getting, like, death tolls from Florida that were in the thousands. And then somebody would be like, oh, my gosh, two people died in Melbourne. And it's a terrible thing, but I was like, wait, two? I just got a text of like 12,000 cases. Like it, so to me, it was always a little bit like, wait, we're shutting down for like two cases? Why? This election this year feels like it's really based also on a lot of contention to do with COVID-19. Oh, for sure. Which is... Half the country believes it's true. Half the country believes it's fake. Which I remember when the first um, news feeds were coming out. And seeing people die in uh, China, like, drop dead. Yeah. And it was, like, horrifying. Because you didn't know what was happening. There was no clue to what was causing it. I didn't actually see any of those news things because I was on the cruise ship at the time. So we all, none of us knew if COVID-19 was actually a legitimate thing or whether it was the media making it seem bad. And we also don't have super regular access to, like, news. So to us, we were like, oh, okay, there's a flu going around. Whatever, we'll be extra careful. The ship started being extra careful. And we're like, okay, cool. Precautions. That's fine. And then I got off the ship at the start of March. And all of a sudden I was like, what? There's no one on my plane. Like, this is crazy. Coming home to Australia, I had my own, like, I had the best sleep I've ever had on the plane because I had my own row because no one was traveling. <laughs> and that, you know, it was very weird for me because I'd, heard bits and pieces about covid but not actually like it hadn't actually comprehended in my head until i got home and i was home meant to be home for six days and then they closed the borders and i was like sorry sorry we're what we're closing what borders now i'm still jet lagged from my flight from la like what yeah it was a really kind of overnight thing it felt like 
the way everyone talked about it, we literally thought a flu had happened. Yeah. And this was after Australia's worst bushfire that we'd had. Yeah. So we were, we were just recovering from so that. I was petrified for Australia for quite a few months because I would see like, I'd go to dinner in the mess and there'd be Australia on fire. And everyone's like, I'd start just crying at dinner because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, see the maps. And I was like, this is getting close to my family's place. This is getting close to my other family's place. Oh my gosh, this is bad. Um, and then all of a sudden one day, then it was the floods. And then I was like, oh, that's my, that's a street down the road from my place. Flooded. Great. Cool. Oh, and then there was the really great um, news article about the shark in Narrabeen Lake that people fought. Yes. There was that. And that was on um, BBC as well. Uh, the fires, the flood, the shark, all on BBC. And then mm-hmm. COVID happened. And we were like, what the hell is going on? I, I, there was this great meme which was online, which was fire, flood for February, and then toilet paper for March. Yeah. And it's true. It really is. Because um, people, I, I don't think it really sunk in to people until, well, probably the mass, it sunk into the skeptics and everything pretty early. Like, like the people who believed the conspiracy theories and, you know, that, you know, and I'm not going to say that people are idiots, but. I don't know how many attractive audiences I'll get. People are idiots. Like the fact that this happened, it was a huge speculation that it was the flu or anything like that. And then, you know, you go to the markets and you'd be like, people be sensible. People were panic buying like the zombie apocalypse. I mean, look, I've watched enough zombie movies that I'm not going to lie. I made sure I (laughs) I had food in the house just in case. But do you need that much toilet paper? I don't know why people were stockpiling toilet paper. That was my main confusion. I was like, I can understand food. I'm like, especially like non-perishable food. I'm like, sure. I have plenty of friends in like the states whose parents and aunts and uncles coupon, which usually means that they have a huge stockpile of stuff because couponing is literally that. Like you buy like 20 of a product so that you can get it for five cents. It's just what they do. So I'm kind of used to that side of it. But I didn't understand the toilet paper because I'm like, guys, do you, do you realize that it's not that kind of illness? Like, that was why I was extra confused. I was yeah, like, worst case scenario. I was like, worst case scenario, you could use something else. Like, I taught in India. They don't even use toilet paper most of the time there. Like, Hang on, let's backtrack here. Let's. You taught in India? This I did for a month. Oh, really? What'd you yeah, do Yeah, I that? did volunteering over there. So I taught English and music. How, when, how old were you at the time? 19. Oh, okay. So you did it after high school? Yes. So I did it after my first year of uni, just before I started my second year of uni. I wanted to go backpacking around India by myself. Um, My parents said that was probably a bad idea. Um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I would happen to agree with them, but yes. They were like, yeah, probably not the smartest idea. I would do it, but I I would do it with a friend. Yeah, no, I was like, no, I'll do it by myself. It's fine. Um, But that's also always been very much my vibe. I'm like, I can do it, whatever. I got it. And just go off and do my thing. Um, <laughs> and then make threats with people in bathrooms. <laughs> Look, neither going to confirm or deny that when people have tried to follow me home in New York City, I may have threatened to stab them. I didn't actually have a knife, but it worked. They left me alone. Probably not the smartest thing to do to a mugger or a potential rapist. I would not advise it, but that is my reaction. I do not... Like I do not flee in situations like that. I fight whether it's the smart option or not. 
this is this is admirable, but also shocking and not surprising at all. Yeah, I don't usually tell my boyfriend about stuff like that till well after they happen, because that way he can't do anything. <laughs> oh. By the way, stayed in a Skid Row. Um, play. Oh yeah, did that too. It was a very very cheap Airbnb that was not not at all like it was pictured. It was meant to be like a two bedroom apartment with like two people, um, one person in each bedroom. It was like a very much a share house with like two bedrooms but like 10 people in each room and like bunk beds with like no lockups one bathroom <laughs> everyone was high so that was fun <laughs> it was very cheap though yeah. i wondered why yeah it's um, like if everyone's getting high you may as well did you get secondhand high or high with them no i just got a really bad headache oh because okay. it was not good quality stuff like, oh shame it was it was not the smoke you want to be breathing in no um <laughs> Yeah, so the, Stefan didn't know that I, I hope stayed there <laughs> till after I left LA. I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, it wasn't the greatest place I stayed. So you, basically what we are learning right now is Stefan like, doesn't learn anything about you until... Not if it's dangerous. Yeah, so basically he's learning everything <laughs> later. And he's just like, how do I trust her? Like, Not if it's dangerous. Hey, I never ever. lie to him ever. No, that's, but if that's, it's going to make him freak out, especially like when I was in L.A., to be fair, he was working on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. So even if I'd told him, he would have just been freaking It would have been like he also got threatened at an event he was working at as a performer when I was working on a cruise ship and he was on land. He like there was a guy that was yelling racist stuff at him and I was having a panic attack on the ship wanting to punch the guy who was on land in Orlando and like going out of my mind, not being able to be there. So having done that, I kind of was like, you know what? It's not, it's not worth telling him so that he will have him panic, have, bleh. he'll be having panic attacks for a week while I'm staying in LA. Might as well just like save that for later. <laughs> Put a pin in that. <laughs> and in a few days, I'll tell him then. By the way, I'm fine. <laughs> this happened, but I'm fine. <laughs> oh my God. You are like, that is that is me as well i never like i never lie to anyone i just tell them later no see here's the thing i can't lie you can no so this is my friend's great trick when we're playing like werewolf or mafia or anything like that is that i if i am asked a direct question i can fudge the truth i can skip around the truth i can neglect to mention the truth but if i'm like asked like a direct question i cannot lie so, like, my friends in Werewolf will turn and be like, are you the seer? Are you the seer? And I'm like, um, yes. <laughs> Although I have had one game where I was so frustrated, I was almost crying because all my friends knew that I can't. And yeah. so they'd all asked me and they knew I was the seer. And yet none of them took my advice when it came to who to kill. And I was like, guys, they're werewolf. They're, they're a werewolf. You should kill them. And they just ignored me and i was like guys i don't understand oh my so, god this doesn't <laughs> this usually their strategy though in werewolf when we're playing is that they will just ask me directly what i am that works all right now if i have um, ever yeah a, a question i need answered i will ask you directly yeah the only time i'd actually lie is if i'm acting as a character yeah that's not lying that's, that's different because that's dialogue. i have to like well, I just make myself believe that I am that character, and that's yeah. a very different thing. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. With back to acting. Back to acting. Um, 
with acting though, ha- with your method and stuff, is there a method to it with in terms of like film acting and getting into character? Not so much. I mean, I probably will. I mean, I'm sure I'll develop one eventually, but especially with like film acting, I haven't had a lot of experience with it. So it's more, I kind of, I'm kind of figuring that out as I go. I always have music going. That's about my only method. I like have like a, you know, get my playlist going and get like stuff going to at least get me in like the kind of headspace. Do you have like haunting music or like? Yeah. Or just like, you know, whatever vibe I think the character would give. What were you listening to on the drive down to Helensburg then? Metallica. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) really? I love Metallica. So So, this surprises me because Maddie looks like Pixie Dream Girl. Look, I was listening to Disney playlist on the way here, but then I'll probably listen to like Metallica or something on the way home. I know you're a Metallica fan. I love Metallica. I actually choreographed a dance for my uni um, dance society to enter Sandman, a contemporary dance. Um, and I had to, to spend a lot of time convincing the dance committee at uni that I should be allowed to do a contemporary dance to Metallica because <laughs> they didn't feel like that was a thing that would work. And did you prove them wrong? I mean, it worked. I didn't actually get to see it performed, though, because I actually had to leave the country for Disney before it got performed. <gasps> so it got performed without me there. That's um, devastating. Yeah. So I saw parts of it. I saw little clips of videos that got taken, but I never actually see the full dance when it was performed in costume. That's so sad. So, yeah. I feel like it needs to be recreated for you now. But I had a lot of fun doing it. I just love, I love taking things that shouldn't go together. Yeah. It's like Metallica and contemporary dance. I was like, we're going to do this. With assumptions, especially about yourself, um, would you say that, what, what do people assume when they first look at you? Because, you know, you do look like a bubbly kind of like I mean yeah that's pretty much it especially when like every as you will know most of my clothing outfits will either have something to do with Star Wars Disney or Harry Potter usually yeah one of the three (laughs) (laughs) I I mean yeah you you're interested like Metallica and then you know Disney and Harry Potter and Star Wars and like that lot and Doctor Who and you know even Star Trek like you are a plethora of knowledge um, and, and understanding of nerd culture. <laughs> but I think there's also like, you know, you have this really strange morbid sense of humor as well, which is completely like. Lo- comes from it though. I think that so much of my personality is like faith, trust and pixie dust and glitter and all that stuff. And then it kind of has to have that slightly morbid, side to it to be able to balance it out because otherwise I would just be like floating off into the like sunset <laughs> covered in glitter and be like yay um, <laughs> it's like this reminds me of the day when we had to have the boom mic in the corner oh the yeah and you were just talking to the TV literally we huh. did a filming for the Doctor Who thing where I had to do some voice work and I had to be really really creepy and I was really really had- creepy was very very creepy but i had like the most glittery and rainbow makeup on my face ever and you were a unicorn disney sweatshirt and all this stuff and 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 like for the film shoot like many had to wear like black contacts and you know black jacket and everything so you looked more demon-esque with veins and stuff yeah. on your face but it's the complete opposite i don't know what's more terrifying that the, the demon face or actually <laughs> you coming in doing creepy voices with like 
unicorn makeup on. It's it's a two different worlds, really. It's terrifying either way. Um, but I feel like with acting as well as like being an artist, what what kind of like do you do you think like it was Disney or Harry Potter or nerd culture that inspired you to become this path, or what kind of like from a young age kind of also took you from doing like entertainment and and kind of like soldering in you know electronics <laughs> world to doing arts and kind of what inspired you to kind of be from a young age to be like you are today i mean it's kind of hard i mean i started doing dance stuff when i was two so i can't exactly say i probably just saw that that was pretty and wanted to do that um i think it's honestly the first thing that got me into wanting to do the arts because i remember i love that my parents were so shocked when i was like i'm gonna go join disney bye um and be a performer for them because I'd been literally telling telling them from when I was about eight years old that I was going to be a performer like whether that was going to be a dancer or a singer or whatever I ended up being I was like I will be performing just like heads up (laughs) and I kind of veered off track for a while there in high school and then ended up finding my way back again and they were like oh my gosh you want to do this it's like I've been telling you this I wanted to do this for years should not come as a shock um But I think the moment that I was like, I want to do this forever was when I was at one of my first Dance of Steadfords and going out on the stage and just having that moment where I was like, okay, I'm in complete control of what's being created here. This is, this is my moment. This is, I'm doing a dance, but like, this is, this is me. I think that was just such a powerful moment for me of realizing that that feeling was incredible. And so whether that was on a stage or in a filming situation and stuff like that, that feeling of being able to create something and knowing, hey, I'm putting my part of myself in this is amazing. I think even more than having someone watch it, even I'm happy just creating stuff in general. If people appreciate it, oh my gosh, amazing. But So it's like this overall kind of driving you um to kind of feel a little bit yeah well I just I have to I've always been like that I have to I have to be creative if I'm not performing then I'm drawing or I'm painting or I'm doing something like I have to have a creative outlet because there's so much that I want I have in my head and so much that I want to make and produce and just create and I sometimes I don't even know what that means Mm. if that makes any sense and like dance is a means of expressing stuff like that even if it's not I'm like okay I need to create something I'll need to dance or great I'm gonna act this is gonna be this way of expressing something I feel like with that and you know you're doing like this drive in yourself and you know obviously you can't sit still because you know your brain's ticking away would you describe that as almost like something you always had? Um, you know, not, you know, you clearly said yeah. at the age of two. So clearly, yes. <laughs> I I think so. I think I've, yeah, I've always had that. It's just, it's part of me. And sometimes it's not so good in that I can't shut off my brain and it like runs in a million miles an hour. Because, you know, sometimes that comes out as anxiety and so nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it definitely has its positive and negatives of having a brain that doesn't stop creating things because sometimes it creates negative things so and how does that like uh, you know with 
with your own mental health and everything like that. How is that for you? Um, you know, because you you would describe would you describe yourself as a positive person or do you find yourself as a very anxious and like you know just managing kind of person? I think it's I think it's very much like we were talking about how I have such a random personality in that I'll like I have such random sides to me that are so different and I'm so contrasting. I think that's the same way with my like mental health as well. I am very, very much a very positive person, but I also have really bad anxiety, which is, it's very, like it's conflicting and it's really hard because I will be super, super positive with other people, especially. Um, And most of the time in my life, I'm very positive and I'm like, okay, we'll make this work. We'll figure it out. We just got to plow ahead. We'll be fine. Um, but I do definitely have times where like, and it gets, it comes and goes with how bad it is, where my anxiety is like next level, like panic attacks going, not being able to see because I'm panicking that badly. Like it gets to the point where it's really bad, which is always surprising for people because I tend to be a very, very positive person. And I don't really know how that like works its way in there or anything like that. It just kind of happens. It's sort of funny that I feel like when you're, you know, a kind person or a considerate person, you do feel like you're looking after other people. So your anxieties do kind of go into overdrive a little bit because you're doing so much other managing of the world. And I think it's a little bit of not trying to control the world, but to find, find an outlet. Yeah. Um, which I feel like a lot of people do. I'm I do it all the time. I feel like that's why you and I get along. Yeah. We have very similar brains. But exactly. <laughs> but I feel like you know having such you know anxiety and uh, uh, when did you discover I guess it that it was quite you know difficult and bad. Um. I mean, it was kind of, it kind of gets a little bad almost sometimes when I'm on stage as well. Um, so sometimes when I was on performing for dance, I would black out. Um, I would dance, but I would not remember a single thing that happened. So thankfully I'd done enough training that like I was able to just go up there and do it. Um, but there would be points where I was so anxious about a performance that I would be remember everything up until I got to the edge of the stage and then it would just black out and I would not remember a single thing. So that, I mean, that probably should have been an indicator for me that something was going on. <laughs> um, but I think it started to get worse in high school when I was like 16, 17, 18. Um, mainly with exam stuff would just make it go because I'm always very much a, I need to do really, really well in everything. And I very much struggle with the idea of not doing well. <laughs> it's just a learning curve for me. I'm learning that, you know, you actually do have to work your way up to doing well at things. Um, so I was always like, no, 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 I have to do, I have to do amazingly. So I would like sit there and I would, my friends would have to give me like scrap paper because I would do it before auditions too. I would just like start shredding whatever was in my hands because I would just be so focused on stuff that like whatever was in my hands would get shredded. So it just, it comes and goes and it, whenever things are starting, life is starting to get a little bit hectic or if I'm at that point, like I'll 
and I'm starting to recognize it more now that I'm older and be able to feel the signs of it coming on. And my friends, especially my ones overseas who have seen me, who have been on contracts with me, because they'll see me like they live with me for nine months of the year. And we're in very, very close proximity with each other for like pretty much 24 hours a day. Um, I mean, you live in the same room as somebody, so they see you go through a bunch of stuff. So they usually know when signs are coming on of me becoming anxious and they'll help me through that because they've helped me figure out ways to deal with it. But it definitely, it's, it's been there in bits and pieces throughout my whole life, but it's definitely, it's always a learning curve of how to deal with it. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that's very relatable as well because, um, you know, when you clearly got warning signs, do, do you, ca- how do you catch yourself out? How do you sort of put it behind you or just get, you know, notice those triggering signs? Um, and what's your tactics, I guess, to kind of calm yourself? Um, I, <laughs> funnily enough, sometimes, so I have really bad claustrophobia too, which doesn't help. I've had to get used to it because um, I have to deal with it on cruise ships and stuff like that and you just you you deal yeah that's a really ironic um, kind of situation it really is um so i've had to deal with it but like i mean we rode the elevator up here and your heart must have been racing it's it typically i've figured out ways of like breathing through stuff like that um but what actually helped me went from back to laughing was um I actually, when I was first needing to get over claustrophobia for cruise ships, I was would actually listen to Metallica. <laughs> um, so Metallica is uh, Maddie's saving Metallica grace. is my saving grace. Uh, it doesn't really help anxiety. But it helps your um, It helps claustrophobia um, because I like to follow the beat. Oh. Being very dance and music and like singing and everything based, focusing on something like that helped me get out of my head. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really help anxiety so much because the beat gets very, very fast at times. And so it doesn't really help heart rates. However, um, letting you focus on something else, I think, is very, very important and very crucial. Um, I also have a thing where, like, typically, if I'm about to have an anxiety attack, I know I don't like to be touched. Normally, I'm very much a very, like, touchy person, which is hard for me with COVID right now because I can't hug people as much as I want to. Um, normally my first reaction to meeting anyone is hugging them, which yeah. I'm pretty sure I did to you. I'm pretty sure I was like, can I hug you? Is COVID okay? And then hugged you. <laughs> I, I think you got to about like, like halfway there, and then stopped. And then like instantly like, oh, no. engaged. Oh no. <laughs> can I hug? <laughs> and I was like, yes, sure. Great. Um, <laughs> um, so I typically have this thing where like, I will start to notice that I, my hands will get hot and I don't want to be touched by anyone. And I'll be like, nope, don't. And but my friends know that if they grab my hand really hard and like squeeze my hand, it starts to stop me from going like over the edge into a full blown panic attack. Because as much as like my body is telling me like to freeze up and everything like that, having a small amount of contact helps me like ground myself. Um, so yeah, music and grounding are definitely very important. That's that's amazing, and I hope. I don't know. Yeah, if that. It, it, it anything does. or anything the, like it, that but the, the funny thing is it's stuff that i relate to as well because having like grown up and i was probably about i'd say 16 mm. 
I think it's typically most people seem to find it gets really bad, especially on then just because things are changing so much. Like hormones and everything in high school. Yeah. It's just a nightmare in general. It's not good for mental health. Let's be real. (laughs) 16 is not a good time. No. But I grew up with like ADHD and epilepsy. So I was, you know, had to take so many medications as a kid. So I had like a list of three different prescriptions. I was an anxious like wreck of a kid. But um, I think when I was about 16 and then after I left high school, I didn't quite know what was wrong with me. I didn't, I didn't know much about mental health, but I met a friend who was diagnosed with um, depression mm-hmm. and she's still a good friend to, uh, to me to this day. But she made me very aware of what anxiety was because I remember my heart race going up and getting very in fear of meeting new people because I had very bad social anxiety, but I never knew. So yeah. I didn't know what it was. I thought I was just weird because I had these panic attacks or like yeah. had these moments, but I didn't know what like causing them or anything like that. And now I'm like completely on the other end where I can go into any situation and be like, okay, well, I need to leave that brain at the door. And anytime yeah. I meet someone new, I need to just go, hey, like, nice to meet you and pretend like I yeah. know, know everything. Know how to Which I definitely do sometimes. Yeah. I definitely pull out characters um, and like, pretend i'm yeah something to get over it i because i still sometimes get anxious meeting people i think i think that's the the thing that i sort of say as well earlier with you know the difference between when you meet someone you enjoy working with but some you enjoy also having as a friend yeah like there's that real sense of you kind of let that weird guard down yeah like not like oh for sure i don't have you know it's, because the moment you know Maddie arrived. First thing she asks me is, going, "How are you? Like, are you okay? How anxious are you? Like, it, did I? Yeah, you were pretty. You were pretty. Oh, because, today. Yes, I thought you meant like the first time no, we no, met, no, and no. I was like, what a weird question. No, 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 no. Okay, today. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, that would have been very strange for the first I time. I was like, maybe. that was the first thing I asked you. I don't remember that at all. Um, yes, today I did. Today, yeah. <laughs> But I, I feel like with that and sort of when you develop a friendship with someone and they can do that, um, it's very different to when you go into a working environment or you meet someone yeah. new. Oh, for sure. And like in my day job, um, I never talk about my mental health. No. In my regular job, I never talk about my mental no. health. It's the last thing. I leave it at the door and I come into work and I do my thing. But I feel like with the projects I do sometimes and, you know, I, I, I feel like we do it a little bit to ourselves because I have the tendency to oh, I'm sure do we do. <laughs> a thousand things and just go, well, I can do this, this, and this, and then get to a point and then go and cry. Yep. Oh, a hundred percent. I do that all the time. <laughs> and you go, I can't do anything. I like- am that person on the project that would get put with like four people who didn't want to do anything. And I'd be like, don't worry, I can do all of it. I can write it and I can do it and I can present this. And then I would pass out because I was so tired. Yeah. Like, I, I completely understand that. Like, <laughs> And I'm not going to know any names, but um, it's, and Maddie knows who I'm talking about. Uh, but I often, I feel like uh, with, with set environments as well, you do pull, it, it's an enormous amount of pressure sometimes. Oh, I think that we don't realize with mental health is, um, and you are Ray now. <laughs> she put on Ray Hood. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, is with, Anytime we come to set as artists or anything like that or anything, you do kind of just like, I know what you mean by when you're talking about like go on stage and have an anxiety attack. Mm. Um, when we filmed the Helensburg Tunnel, I remember being so anxious that day, like so anxious. Yeah. 
And I remember messaging everyone afterwards and being like, was it okay? Like, did you have- I know, I remember that it message. I was like, dude, what the hell? I was laughing with you most of the day. Of course I had fun, idiot. But it's like in the back of your brain, yeah. your brain just goes, check that everyone liked me you didn't even get stuck in the bathroom with that woman that come on i know you didn't have to be anxious about that (laughs) i was the one being stuck in a bathroom by some random woman in a pub yeah yeah, you have an attraction record with like (laughs) random people yeah yeah just laughing in bathrooms um i don't know what it is but i mean with mental health and you know the wonderful world of it we do uh, you know we do put pressure on ourselves we do kind of like force ourselves to you know have this, I guess, exu- you know, to the point of exhaustion, um, and it's not fun. No. I, I think, what advice would you give to anyone? Because I, I often say, um, you know, I remember having, I had a bunch of um, auditions with um, kids this week. So I, had, I did an audition. We had a ghost, we're having a ghost child in one of the upcoming scenes. And I'm so excited for it because it meant, you know, like put out an audition for um, young kids. I had a bunch of Zoom calls with mothers and, nice. you know, daughters. It was really sweet. But and most of the daughters were just like, I love scaring my mother. It's the funnest thing. And the mother's just looking behind them just going, oh, Lord. <laughs> like, um, but these these girls clearly like between the ages of 11 and 16 mm. and or were very clearly also very anxious and very you know stressed and i remember thinking it's like you're like me back then yeah. but and it doesn't quite it doesn't quite get easier i think there's also this whole year has made everyone more anxious mm. i think there's a vibe and i hate that i use that word so often but i do a vibe i guess my main thing would be don't always believe the idea that artists have to suffer for their art because I think that's a thing that people get told a lot um it's the same as the kind of like beauty is pain kind of mantra that people say which is not true at all you you know you are beautiful regardless of whether it causes you pain and if it causes you pain it probably you should probably shouldn't be doing that um but there's this whole thing about artists where they're expected to suffer for their art and it's this whole idea of artists having to be this suffering genius that has a bunch of mental health issues and just kind of suffers in their own in silence in the dark and creates beautiful artworks and then dies and suddenly their art's appreciated like this is this whole like idea that's being created and it's always put out a lot of the movies have that like the suffering artist in the corner doing their thing in their quiet apartment that's kind of, you know, dark and dingy. I mean, your apartment's not dark and dingy. Don't no, it's but, it's, <laughs> but it clearly also breeds somewhat of a clutter. <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like there's very much this idea that that's what you have to do to be a true artist. And I think a lot of people miss the whole part about having to take care of yourself and I think a big part of growing up is recognizing what you need to work on, what are your weaknesses, and being prepared to work on them and realizing that you need other people for that. You can't just do it solely on your own. I've done a lot of things on my own, stuff that would have probably been a lot quicker if I hadn't 
have tried to deal with it on my own. So I had an eating disorder and I forced myself out of it. I went to two therapy sessions, but like three months after I was like trying to force myself out of it anyway. So like it's definitely a thing that's been in my head that I have to be like, I have to do this on my own. I have to do it because, you know, artists suffer. Artists do the things on their own. And that's not at all the case. You can still create great art and be in a community and rely on other people. Yeah. Which I feel is, you know, we do do this, you know, as you say, this journey alone. And I think there is a weird, there is a weird thing of social thing where you reach out to friends and try and seek how, you know, I need help with this thing. And I think sometimes, you know, people are very like, you know, they get scared about how much burden they have to take on or how much of the weight, you know what I mean? Like I feel you're not taking on everything. The people really want to be heard. Yeah. This is the biggest thing is you want to be heard. You don't want to be undermined or. No. Um, so I feel, but I feel like people take it the wrong way where they think they're going to take on everything that that person, you know. Which I think can be the case, but that's also dependent on the person. Like mm. a lot of people, there are definitely people who put things onto other people um, and it turns into a negative situation for the person. I mean, you know. I've I've dated narcissists who um like are emotionally abusive and they put things onto you that turn into your problems even though they're not. But that's the difference between a supportive friendship and a negative one and a dangerous one is when things cross that line. But I think relying on your friends is a very different thing. Being able to turn to a friend and being able to do that is very, very different to forcing your problems onto them. I think people kind of get the scared of it. I think you're right. I think people get scared that they're going to be have things forced on them. But, I mean, if you're friends with a narcissist, please send them to therapy. Um, <laughs> 100% can put that down. Um, but, like friendship is more about that give and take scenario if you're relying on them then they can rely on you too and it kind of becomes stronger Mm. rather than one person forcing their negative experience on the other yeah which i think a lot of people are scared of how do you think social media has affected you as i guess an actor now and also because you have instagram you have like um, but you don't have a Facebook page or like... I do have a Facebook page. I just don't use it very much. Oh, do you? Yeah, I find... I don't use Facebook as much. I have one. Um, it's under my middle name, not my last name. Because when I was doing teaching, a lot of my little students would try and find me on Facebook. So it's under my like Madeline and then my middle name so that students couldn't find it. Naughty students. Yes. <laughs> Were they, but were they like... Um, They're just way too tech literate. And I'm like, guys. <laughs> guys, stop it. <laughs> been here for 20 minutes. <laughs> stop finding my Facebook page on the iPads. Um, 
that does help. That's why I use my middle name on Facebook as well. Yeah. It, it means people. Can, but I also set my private settings to only people who know me can add me mm. or have mutual friends. Yeah. So that helps massively. I think that's, I don't know what mine's on. I don't know. Probably. You can set it. It's pretty quick. Yeah. And it's on the privacy settings. I don't usually, I mean, I usually ignore half of the friend requests anyway. Oh, no, I know. I only, I only add the ones that I know. Yeah. Or I'm like, oh, you're an actor or you're something. I'm like, I'll, yeah. I'll add you. Um, but generally, it's most people I know. But do you feel like with social media, it's helped probably you benefit as a, like an artist? Or do you think it's kind of like subtracted? At the moment, I think for sure it's benefited. Using social media, I think it's a really valuable tool. I just think it you just have to be careful with how you use it. I mean, obviously, we know that social media can have very negative side effects on mental health and stuff like that. But I think as an actress, as someone, especially in this like COVID environment, when you're mostly applying for things online, I think it's super valuable to be able to use it as a tool to show your work and get people to see you and get stuff out there and make connections. I think it's a really, really valuable tool that can be used. And I really love to be able to use it because it connects you with so many people all over the world and gives you that opportunity like I would not have met you if we didn't have star now which is basically like job site for actors but uses Instagram as a tool because that links to Instagram so a lot of pictures that are on there like um Perspective directors and perspective employers can look on my Instagram and see examples of work I've done and everything like that. So it's a very valuable tool, I think. Yeah, I feel. And like, you know, when you got like IMDb pages and, you know, and uh, with IMDb, um, IMDb, you actually do have to pay for it to get a profile. Like Mm. you can automatically have a profile made. But to have your like face on it or a picture, it's either provided to you via um, the company that you work for that you can probably like finance it, mm. or yourself, like you you know. And I have one because I pay for it, but they are quite useful when you have a lot of credits. Yeah. And I remember years ago when I didn't have a lot of like credits, and I was editing, um, or some people never put up ones. And and that's a common thing, actually. Mm. It's very common for um, people to never add anything in, onto IMDb. No. Um, like, what do you think that um, with social media, do you think it's more beneficial for you to upload your own stuff? Or do you, like, have you been involved with stuff that you have never seen the light of day that go to social media or, you know, you never hear back from again and, you know? Yeah, I've definitely done things. I mean, I did... I did a photo shoot a couple of last year, I think. Yeah, last year I did a photo shoot with a photographer um, who just I never heard from again. I mean, thankfully it wasn't anything bad, but <laughs> it was just like headshots and stuff like that. But never knew what happened to the pictures, never knew what went on. So I think it's definitely a val. It's definitely good to be able to have your own control. I think being able to have people add things is a very good thing, but I'm also very wary having been working for Disney that are very careful about their social media to make sure that I check anything that 
I'm tagging and everything like that. Like I have all the settings set so that if someone tags me in something, I get notified and I get to choose whether things get added or not. Because I think a very important thing that a lot of younger people don't get about social media is you kind of have to craft your image, which can be a great thing in terms of acting side of it, where you can craft it so that you've got examples of your work and examples of your thing and not so much, you know, random party photos um, of you drinking because that can harm your working potential in the future, whether it's acting or not. Like if you've got lots and lots of pictures of you sculling straight bottles of tequila and falling on the floor, it's not going to go well for your future career prospects, no matter what they are. I mean, you um, could try. Look, you can try for sure. I'm sure there are plenty of people, <laughs> but most employers check your Instagram and your and they social check your media Facebook. now. They check, they check everything. Um, so, I mean, some people craft it in a way that is not great for other people, but I like to be able to use it as a tool of creating my artistic image and doing that. And I think that's a, I think that I think it's very important that you have your own control. I'm looking at the time. I know. I'm, I'm like, I'll wrap things up for him. Um, no, I was going to To say, be fair, we did start half an hour late. So. We did. We did. So this is on me. This is, so like, I mean, it's not on you. I was late too. This, it's fine. This, this is true. We this were, is just like, we should have expected it. We also know that we both talk a lot. I so know. Like, and we went off tangents. Um, <laughs> but I want to. I, I, I do want to thank you for joining me. It's actually been a blast. It's actually been a fun fun time chatting it has it's been amazing it's i can't wait to re-listen to this and look at what the hell we said and try and piece it together into yeah. something coherent yeah, yeah good luck like, with that i know i know they're gonna cut out all the ums and ahs and you know oh my gosh please. there's so many i say um, so many yeah but I, I i can't wait i won't sound as much like a valley girl if you take out all the likes though so you kind of have to leave like some of them like, in. like 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 i can't help um it. but no it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for coming on and talking with me about everything and nothing. You're um, so welcome. It's so fun. It's so much fun. And this is like the last time we get to see each other. We get to see each other quite a bit. But no, it's been an But it is the last time that this podcast will run because this is the last episode, as I did say at the start. Um, Lachlan and I would thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, and thank you, Marty, for being a part of it. Goodbye. <laughs> I almost got a tear out. I almost got a tear out. So close. So close. (laughs) Um, Yeah, sorry about that. Thank you. It's been really fun. (laughs) I think it's actually. I promised Lachlan I would do that just like heads up. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just going to send him that recording. Please (laughs) do. (laughs) With the Um, tear. With the single tear at the end. (laughs) Um, And thank you for everyone listening out there, listening to the things we do. I hope you have had learned something. It has been a blast. Uh, next week will be even more fun. So hopefully you can even join Even more me. fun? Wow, rude. <laughs> yeah, because I won't be dealing with Maddie. <laughs> Don't worry, I give her a big hug before she leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the judgment. <laughs> um, but thank you for everyone joining me on the things we do. I look forward to chatting to you all next week and you hearing my lovely, lovely, sweet voice. Bye.